Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your host for today from NDS Property Australia here in Brisbane. And you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing world. NDS world, sorry. Today's topic is finance, NDIS lending for SDA property. And we have a very special guest speaker who we've known for about a year now, Dana from GD Financial. Welcome, Dana. Thanks, Min. Thank you for having me. So what's it like in your world being a mortgage broker the last six months, six weeks, all the ups and downs with regards to interest rates and lending products and stress testing and (laughs) all those fanciful things that happen in your world? What's happening over there? Well, it has been interesting, especially of late with the interest rate increases. So things have been exceptionally crazy with the lower rates and we've seen a little bit of a drop off lately. So. Mm. With the, as the rates are increasing, people are a little bit more cautious to see what's happening in the marketplace and okay. probably finding out a bit more information first before jumping okay. in. No worries. Well, before we get into the technical side of things, tell us more about who you are and your business. Well, I started in this industry in around 2004, so we're going back a while now just as an admin assistant. I kind of fell into the role. I was looking for something and a girlfriend of mine was a finance broker my children were young. And then from there I went on and got my Cert 4 and then my diploma and started GD Financial around 2006. So mm. I've been doing it for a little while now. So, so I'm a one-person band. You're a, uh, you're a one-person band, work from home, Correct. and you're always busy providing great quality <laughs> service and high-quality service, more about quality rather than volume, the quantity, right? Absolutely. I would, and I think I have said to you previously, if you come to me with someone who needs something, if I am way too busy at that time, Mm -hmm. I would say to you, yes, I can help. However, there will be a delay. So if it's an urgent assessment or something that needs to be done for the client Mm -hmm. and I don't have that time at that point in time, I'm going to be up front and say, look, I can't help you at this stage (laughs) because to me it's better to give good service than to drop the ball and lose a client because you're not giving good service. Exactly. Uh, it's very important for us to talk about finance to to the SDA investors who are coming through our way because it's not our, it's not our area of expertise, but even still, for mortgage brokers, they didn't realise how, how much of a niche this is. Do you mind explaining the key differences in, your, in a person, in a broker's role, in working with a normal home loan borrower, investor mm-hmm. or home, first home buyer versus a SDA property investor? Absolutely. So one of the biggest ones is that we don't have a lot of lenders. So if you are out there buying a standard residential home, there you've got your pick of lenders. Anyone's going to come on board and they're happy to do it. With your NDIS, it's more a niche borrowing Mm. and we literally don't have 
that choice that we have at the moment with the other lenders. There's nothing, it's not saying that that's a negative, it's just banks are quite slow to jump on board with new, or relatively new, it's not that new now, but to a bank, unless if they have to change policies or look at something to them that is slightly outside of the box, they're not really going to do that. They prefer to just continue with the standard residential properties and off they go. So we want a lender that's going to look at the NDIS for what the NDIS is. So it's going to take into account all the specifications on the build side of it and also the rental income because it's considerable more, considerably more rental that you can obtain from an NDIS. So that's what we want. We want a lender that's going to look at all of those things as a whole, not just as a standard residential property, when then we lose it. So when you say a limited number of lenders, are we talking mm-hmm. only a handful or two handfuls? Absolutely. I have two, really, mm. that um, will consider it, and one is a stronger proposition than the other. The reason I say that, the second one has restrictions on postcodes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they are a lot more limited again. as to where they will go and won't for an NDIS property. Exactly. Um, What are the current, well, how comparative, what is the comparison between a normal property investment home loan versus a NDIS home loan? Is it very similar or is it quite different? What's your... What's the fee With regards to your fees. Interest rates. Interest rates. Sorry, your interest rates at the moment are sitting... It's all LVR. So if we're looking at, say, a 60% loan against the purchase price, you're looking at around 4.09, and then we go up from there. So it is definitely comparable to a standard investment at the moment, but then obviously there's so many changes in rates that they're moving quite quickly. So if I'm telling you that right now, that could be different. So I would assume... Three months ago, that four point zero nine would have been point five less minus point seven five minus point two five. Absolutely, absolutely. So it, it is definitely comparable to a standard investment. Mm. Gotcha. The thing that isn't is your fees, the valuation fee in particular. So with an NDIS, because as I mentioned, we've got two lenders that we look at, and the reason that we can I ask you a question? Absolutely. When a normal investor buys a normal investment property. Mm-hmm. What are the rough amount of fees that they will be paying versus the fees you're paying now for an NDIS home loan? Okay, so depending on the lender, mm-hmm. you will pay a valuation fee up to, say, $350. Some lenders will actually cover that cost, so you may not have a valuation fee. Um, you may have an annual package fee if we do a package loan of, say, $395. Um, If it's a construction, you'll have some construction fees and charges in there as well. So they're all quite your standard. So one and a half grand to two, one and a half? One and a half or less. Yes. So if it's not a construction, you're not going to have those fees. If you've taken a package, you're not going to have an application fee, that type of thing. Your biggest difference on our side being an NDIS is your valuation. So you do have um, an annual fee of 295 an application fee of about 660 payable at settlement, mm-hmm. um, progress valuation fees and construction fees, 880 and 750 and then you'll have solicitor's fees plus disbursements of a further 550 So that's all adding up. Mm-hmm. But our big one is the valuation because the valuation is charged to the client. And how much is that? Now, that fee. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that fee is up to $2,300. It could be more sometimes. Could be more plus travel. So depending on where it's located. So if they then have to travel, it could be a further $1,500 on top of that. It is charged at cost though. So what happens, and I never order the valuation up front for an NDIS. We submit your application. We get you through the conditional approval. We then check the conditions of that conditional approval. So I'm adding up all these numbers in my head. Yes. Uh, are we looking at four to five grand here? Is that where we're sitting? Okay. So we're sitting. I'm, I've got to add this up myself because I look at the individuals that I don't normally add it up. So I'm doing a quick, including the valuation, mm-hmm. we're up to probably two, three, about seven. Seven grand. Yeah. Wow. So it's a decent investment upfront. And that's why, because the valuation is the main part of that. Yes, yes. So we don't want to touch that. We don't want to pay that fee. And that's the one that's paid upfront. So that fee's paid before your approval. Everything else is at settlement or during during construction. So, Dana, can you explain to our listeners why it costs so much for a commercial valuation fee here? Absolutely. So then NDIS commercial valuation is an NDIS specific valuation. So the valuer goes out and values the property, not as a standard residential. So if we had, if we went to a lender that was looking at it as a standard residential, they're not going to take into account all the bits and pieces that are NDIS specific, which are adding to the value of that property. So that is why we want that valuation. Sorry. So no one's saying that a person can't use a normal resi lender. I mean, you could use it, but but the shortfall valuation will be massive because the value would not value it to a normal, to an NDS product. NDIS specific. What they also might do is if we've got a four bedroom, four bathroom NDIS property that's going to return us $100,000 in rental per annum, if that's a standard residential property, four bedrooms, four bathrooms, the value is going to go out as a standard valuation and go, oh, you might get six fifty rent per week. Mm. Considerable difference in rental, mm-hmm. which means the bank will then use six fifty per week as opposed to one hundred thousand per annum. Yes. So if we're looking at six fifty, we're looking at thirty three thousand eight hundred versus one hundred thousand. Yes. Big impact again then on your borrowing capacity. Mm. If you are reliant on that rent and you can't use the hundred thousand because we've gone with a standard, um, a standard lender mm. doing a residential valuation, that's a big difference there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, we've actually gone through many of the questions already. My God, <laughs> you talk very well, don't you? Think? I do. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Just ask my husband. <laughs> So I remember a year ago the 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 process, the time frame to get formal approval, so pre-approval and then go to formal approval, you're looking at six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So currently now in this market now, I think I'm asking what's your feedback with regards to normal home loan applications versus and is there a difference between the two time frames of normal versus NDS? There is. It's lender specific, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and because our NDIS lenders are very specific to that, their timeframes are still not great. So I'm still looking from submission 
to a conditional of a minimum of seven business days. And they work in business days. Um, and then our valuations are still taking up to three to four weeks. So that's where our major delay is coming at the moment is that valuation. So we get you to conditional, which is brilliant. We've got that conditional in, let's say, two weeks. And then we're looking at it, but we can't keep moving because we don't have the valuation back. So we can't get to formal for up to a month. And that's a long time if we're working on time frames. Is that a month after the so you're a week there, the then three, four weeks for the valuation, and then another month. Is that what you're saying? Well, um, no, sorry. We're, we can't get you to, well, we're not getting the valuation back for three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we go to formal. So once we've got the valuation back, we might be looking at another one to two weeks after that to get to formal approval. Four, six, seven, seven all up roughly. It's adding up. And yeah. then you've got settlement two weeks after that. Correct. This. So nine, Correct. ten weeks. Yes, so the time frame's still out there. It's still, it's still quite a lengthy one. So if you are looking at this, and that's not even us reviewing anything pre-application. Mm. So there's a time frame before that as well. There's collection of documentation confirming your borrowing capacity. So two weeks month. there. So nine, ten weeks, and then another two weeks in advance. We're talking about eleven to twelve weeks all up. It can be, yeah. Yes. I'm hoping with the interest rates and what's happening, things will start to slow, valuers will start to be a little bit quicker. Mm. I literally ordered a valuation yesterday and I was told a minimum of three weeks. So we're still at that time frame when we yes. sit today. So I guess why this topic is important for us to discuss in our podcast for our listeners is because as we've just worked out nine to 12 weeks time frame, and unfortunately to the vendor, the seller, they're not going to be happy with 12 weeks. No. no. That's why you got to have your paperwork and your ducks lined up in order in advance. Get Absolutely. as much as you can, your paperwork lodge, your assessment, your credit check, everything. Get it done because yeah. when if, if you're going to go to a seller or a vendor and say, I want to buy your NDIS property, be it a house and land or an apartment, whatever it is, they're going to ask the first question, are you finance approved? And if you're not, they're going to say, go away. Because they don't want to wait three weeks, three months, sorry, for settlement. No. They want to sell it now. They want it now. Yeah. So the importance here of this conversation is, Dana, how soon, when should a person be talking finance with a professional like yourself to get ready? How, while they're thinking about NDS or when they decided to buy, when they've chosen, what stage, preliminary stage, should they engage you? You tell me. To start the process. I would say as soon as they're thinking about it. Thinking about it. Because there's no point going out there not knowing what you can and can't borrow, not knowing what's happening with the lenders. And it's quite a simple process. So we get in contact, we get some documentation from you, and then I can run everything. I can get an approximate um, purchase price and then based on that purchase price I can use an approximate rental so mm. we're then going to know what they can and can't do we can look at all the fees involved we can look at the interest rates at that time and the whole bit put everything together so you know out front before you're going shopping for your property mm-hmm. what you can and can't do much smarter process for everybody yes my next question is what are the challenges in applying for an NDS home loan at the moment? time frame is our biggest one um, we're finding because we're going specific, lender specific who is doing 
NDIS-specific valuations, they're coming on the money or very close to. Mm. And most people that we're having that are coming through have got a decent deposit. So we're not looking at an 80 or even a 90% land. We're looking at a 70 or below for the majority of people that are coming through. So they're aware of these properties. They're wanting a decent loan. They're wanting to keep it moving. But our biggest hurdle is our timeframes. And there's not a lot that we can do on that side because that is the one part that is out of my hands. I can continue to follow up and do my nagging duty on that front, but that only gets us so far, I'm afraid. I want to throw a curveball at you Mm -hmm. and the lender, and that is if you got someone formally approved, they're three months off from land settlement and they sell the land and then all of a sudden the builder comes out with this, oh, my God, supply chain issues, labour rates, labour shortages, we're going to increase your bill price by an extra 50 grand. What happens in that scenario between the client and the lender with this curveball that's come out of nowhere? Now, I have had this curveball for standard residential properties. I haven't yet had it for an NDIS. So I'm going to talk from my experience. Yep, a bill is a standard. bill. That's fine. That's fine. So what we have actually done there is gone and ordered. We've got the variation. We've mm. then ordered another valuation and the valuation So far, they've come in at the increased cost because Mm. what we're also finding is that the land has increased prior to settlement because there's been delays on the construction side. So the land has increased in value and the banks are aware of what's happening with the cost of materials and things like that. So today, touch wood, they have come in on the money with the new valuations. So what we have then done is increase their lending to cover that shortfall. That's great. So that's where I'm sitting at the moment on that one. And as I said, I'm touching wood because I don't know on the NDIS side, I haven't had that as Well, I, I would assume that's going to be follow, exactly. following It'll suit. It'll be quite similar. But, but surely in your professional development sessions with your lenders and your BDMs of all these other companies, that will be a topic of discussion as well. Hasn't been. They haven't no. talked about it. No, my God. No, we haven't as yet. So we seem to be um, living it because yes. we are living it. And yes. we've also had a builder, not an NGIS builder, but we've had a, a standard resi builder who's actually gone under. And I've had a couple of clients who then, they're currently in the process of finding a new builder. And we're going through that because we're approved, land has settled. And that's, so this is all new. I think this mm. is all new for everybody. So it's one of, it's a, it's a work in progress and we're learning as we go yes. on this one because it's not something, and well, as I said, I've been doing this sadly a little while now and thankfully not something we've seen before <laughs> and something that we're learning as we proceed now. Okay. Well, curveball number two, valuations. Do you discuss valuation potential shortfalls that may occur with, transaction and if so what are your suggestions for clients to overcome them at that time absolutely i do um as i mentioned with regards to our ndis because we're using specific ndis lenders we have been exceptionally lucky there Mm -hmm. that they are coming in very close to the other um positive that I have had is that we've had the flexibility with the clients that we've had coming through because we're not at a 90% LVR. Mm. So if I have a client that's coming through who is needing a 90% LVR to do this, that is my very strong discussion up front because we're already at a higher LVR. So they're going to need a backup. If they haven't got that backup up front, then 
we're going to have to workshop that. And that could be that we're looking to access equity in a property and refinance to obtain that. Or they're going to sit on it for a few months and increase their deposits or we can reduce from a 90 down to an 80 and then that way we can we can offset any reduction there in valuation or something like that. With normal resi, mm-hmm. um, a 5% give or take is fair play valuations, don't you think? Um, lately they are coming in. I haven't had yeah. a low valuation on a... On but, refinances, they do. On purchases, I have but, not had a low valuation. But you've been in the game for a long time. I mean, you've seen shortfalls before. Absolutely. And the, they would be roughly around 5 to 7% as a, as a range, do you think, or 3 to 5? Well, what's your experience? Yeah. Minums, on that one, it, it really varies and it depends on the property, mm-hmm. where it is. Um, it, there's so many variables. Mm. I can't say that there is a specific... Mm five to seven or anything like that because it is really dependent on um it, it might not necessarily the other thing that we have there that the price may come in but one of the risk factors could be higher so there yes. are certain lenders that if you've got power lines within mm. a certain mm-hmm. range that you know we're going through and then we've got that and the valuations come back and that's on it and that kills the deal for us yes, yes. so there's different things there if, if a client asked me in the past, what, two years ago, I would normally say, look, the best case scenario is on the money, best case scenario, but the worst case scenario is probably 10 to 20% shortfall. So yep. it's, it's a maybe. It may not happen, but absolutely. if that were to ha- happen, Mr. Client, do you have enough cash on the side to cover that shortfall of 10, 15, 20%? And the answer is yes, then let's proceed to. Then let's proceed. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. we wouldn't put someone who's just tight. It's on the on the deposit and the LMI costs and the fees to apply and the potential shortfall, that's just, if you're too tight and all this all those factors there, you, I wouldn't recommend it. No, absolutely, and and that's why having that discussion before you started looking mm. and us having a look at what you have, what your borrowing capacity is, mm. and all of that is so important because then when you are ready to look, you got all of that information. You know what you can borrow, yeah. you know what you can afford, you know your deposits, you know all of your fees and charges and things like that. You've got all of the information. And if you do it up front, you, you don't have to rush around the last minute the other way around because it's, it's just too hard to rush the buyer, rush the lender, yeah. extend the settlement dates and change the unconditionals. Oh, it's just too hard. You've got to start early. And you don't need that pressure. Like mm. you, you as a client do not need that mm. pressure. So if you can avoid that, let's make the whole process fun and an easy process that you yeah. learn as you go and it's not a stressful one that you know then when you're looking or when they're talking and they're speaking with you and they're speaking with mm. other people that they can go, right, This is I know this is what I can do, I know this is what I can afford mm. and they've got all of that together. Yes. So my last question to you, Dana, is... What do you enjoy most about being a mortgage broker? Dealing with people and seeing that journey and getting to the end of that journey. And whether it's a first home buyer who is coming into this knowing absolutely nothing and comes out at the end, they bought their property and they yes. can talk and they understand they understand their loan then yes. as well and we've got the best loan for them. Or if it's a, a long-term investor who's looking at something different because for a lot of people NDIS will be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So them learning about that and then getting to the end of that and having that property and going, Dana, this is great. And, again, educating them through the process because, to me, 
knowing, getting a loan is all well and good, but educating a client on the nuances of that loan and how it works best for them so that they then understand and they can have that discussion and look at it and know that is one of the best feelings in the world for me. I love that part of it. It's really satisfying. <laughs> like getting the call, Dana, I've moved in or Dana, you know, we've settled. I love that. So Dana, any uh, any words of advice for any borrower in preparing before looking into buying an NDS property? Start, and I, I did say it before, and I'm going to repeat myself, start your journey early. Just have that phone conversation, get in contact with your broker. If you've got your own broker, or get in contact with myself and let's start things now. Let's start the conversation so that you know what you're looking at. You know the current rates and fees and what's in what's entailed in the whole thing and what you can borrow, what you can do and what you're comfortable with. Yep, cool. Thanks for that. I guess at the end of the day, the valuation and the cost of fees that are applicable to the, the investors' application to get a home loan for NDIS is important, but that the guess weigh up the costs of the the six, seven grand outlay up front for them to get pre approved and, and so forth, yeah. That's it. And I know people can balk at that valuation fee, but we don't do the valuation until we're happy that with the conditions on that approval and that valuation gives you an NDIS valuation. So it gives you everything that we need to get a full valuation on the value of that property and the rental and the actual return that you are going to get from your property, not a standard residential. So it's it's an investment in getting your property. Cool. So what's the best way to get in contact with you, Dana? Um, my office number is 07-3395-0100 or my email is Dana, D-A-Y-N-A, at gdfinancial.com.au. And either of those, I will always come back to you. But please, if you do ring the office, leave a message because I do spend quite a bit of time on the phone. So I can miss calls and I don't always know if you've called, if you haven't left me a message. So please do. And I will, I will always come back to you. Min, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yes, it is fun. Thanks so much, Dana. It's been very good to have someone who's in the finance field talk to us on our podcast so our listeners can understand the best way forwards in getting ready for their finance to go on their SDA property journey. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.